Welcome to this pre-recorded worship service for December the 20th, coming to you from the Church of the Palms of Sarasota, Florida. This is the fourth Sunday of Advent. We're so glad that you joined us, and we pray that this hour of worship will draw you closer to our Savior. In the space of your home, we pray that uh, you will worship with us, draw close to us, Let's set aside for this moment all the other Christmas plans and let's invite our Lord, our incarnated Lord, to be present to us. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad as we prepare our hearts and minds for worship. Today, the fourth Sunday of Advent, we light the candle that represents love, the love of God revealed in his humble appearance as an infant. Listen to the scripture reading from John 3, verses 16 through 17, that reveals the good news of the love of God revealed to the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We light this candle today in preparation for the coming of Christ. 
The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Trusting in that grace and mercy of our God, let us pray our confession. Gracious God, in whom all things are possible, we confess that we have doubted what we cannot explain. We have sought strength and enjoyment apart from you. We have taken pride in ownership more than giving praise through stewardship. We have neglected to thank you, either in good times or when you have supported us during days of uncertainty. We have resisted the newness of your offer. Forgive us, we pray, for instead stalling ourselves as re-reigning deities. Lead us rather in paths of trust and obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. For as the heavens are far above as the earth, so great is God's steadfast love for us. God love and forgive those who fear him and love him. And God hears our prayers. And friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven.
As forgiven children, we remember to affirm our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now we come to a place of passing the peace of the Lord to one another. As you pass peace of the Lord to one another, we have a presentation of a crash video for you. Welcome to worship. We are delighted that you have joined us today, this fourth Sunday in Advent. Well, 2020 has given many of us reasons to be drawn towards the longest night service on December 21st at 6 p.m. Because of this good response, we have moved this service into the sanctuary so we can be safely seated together. You can still register for this service on Monday all the way until noon. We hope to see you there for this beautiful meditative service. Siesta Key Beach is still going to be celebrating Christmas on Christmas Eve Eve at 5 o'clock. 
bring your chairs, be ready to sing some Christmas songs and to hear the Christmas story. Our Christmas Eve services are three, five, seven, and nine. We are only intending to have the three o'clock service right here in the sanctuary. Please register for that. The five, seven, and nine are scheduled to be outside and we encourage you to bring your chairs and to spread out in this beautifully lit courtyard which you may not have seen yet. However, for inclement weather, we do have plans to come into the sanctuary where we can safely seat around 200 people. So if that happens, we will all have an opportunity to practice the fruit of the Spirit called patience as we try to come indoors to worship the newborn King. And remember, if you're not quite ready to worship in person, we will have a full Christmas Eve service that we will broadcast at 7 p.m. on Christmas Eve on our website and on all of our social media channels, and that will be pre-recorded so you can worship from the safety of your home. Well, I'm excited to introduce to you our new Christmas traditions video for the week. We have an opportunity to hear from our member, Renee McQueen. We hope you enjoy. Well, this kreshta is um, something that my mom made, and she made this um, 50 years ago in a small town upstate New York where I grew up. She went to a ceramics uh, class down the street. A, a lady down the street had taught ceramic and she went there and made this beautiful crush set along with many other pieces that we have. They already came molded together so she painted all them and then um, and put in, did, painted all the detail and, and, and the figurines and stuff. And this is a super favorite one that we always had out on her buffet every single year growing up. And when they moved to Florida and decided they needed to share some of their, <laughs> some of their pieces with us, um, I got to have the crush set and it's always, and it's actually out year long now because I used to set it up just at Christmas and I love it so much. Got the camels here and then the small lambs and the, of course inside it's back it's set in, but it's nice that we kind of have it, um, the cows and everything make it a little more realistic to when Jesus was born. Needed a little larger space probably, but. <laughs> they live at ta in town, actually live in Nokomis, so they're close. Um, and uh, of course, yeah, she can still visit it and see it whenever she wants and still enjoy it. It's just, it's just a beautiful set. She's very talented and it's just been a special treasure in our family for a long time. So I'm so happy to have that and be able to display it. I'm excited to introduce to you now our newest members at Church of the Palms. You will see on your screen Gemma Estimata and David Bird, who are pictured with their sweet children, Brooke and Brandon, and also Edgar Lawton Jr., who is shown with his wife, True, who is already a member. We welcome these lovely people into our church family and we are grateful that they have joined us and our mission to love God and to love neighbor. And finally, the beautiful bouquet of flowers that you see in front of the table are given to the glory of God and in honor of two special people. Lois Tackett turned 95 on December 16th. Happy birthday, Lois and her great-granddaughter, Elizabeth Ann White, was born on November 23rd. Happy birthday, Elizabeth. Let us continue our worship of God.
Let us pray. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Heavenly Father, on this, the last Sunday of Advent, we turn our faces with joy towards Christmas Day, towards the birth of your Son. This year has taught us much about seeking the joy that only comes from you. For it has been a year of struggle, of sadness, of conflict, and of loss. We take comfort in the words of the Apostle Paul, who spoke hope to a struggling world, that we should consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worth comparing with the glory to be revealed. When we accept joy, we accept this promise of future glory. We confess that all too often we doubt this promise. Help our unbelief. Gracious and loving God, when we call you Father, we are acknowledging our utter dependence on you. We ask for comfort for those who are grieving. Especially, Lord, we ask for comfort for parents who have lost a child. May they feel your presence and find some comfort in the fact that you too have lost a son. Mighty God, draw close to you those who are homeless and hungry and without hope. Comfort those who are alone, those who are kept from friends and family by illness, distance, injury, or pride. Shower love and joy on those who are serving in the military far from home. And Almighty God, we lift up our prayers for healing and for peace for those who are sick or are making their way home to you. Look upon us with favor and help us, Lord, to have courage. Courage to seek ways to be your love in the world, to feed, to house, to bear with love one another's burdens, to radiate joy in our faith in the glory to come. Help us this week to never lose sight of the ways in which you have looked with favor on the lowliness of your servants. We are blessed beyond measure. Blessed most of all by your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, 
and the glory forever. Amen. As we near the end of the year, we are grateful for the generosity of our church family that has allowed us to remain strong in our ministry and to fully support our mission efforts, including the food pantry and the Palms Preschool. We all know that the needs are not going away. Unfortunately, they are rising along with the COVID numbers. We're hearing from our mission partners of the difficulty they are experiencing in sustaining their ministries during this difficult season in the world. So we want to do all we can to shine the light in the darkness. Please know that your Christmas and year-end giving will go a long way to bringing hope and encouragement to our friends around the world who seek to be faithful in sharing the good news of Jesus. So in this moment of gratitude, let us pause to wonder how our thanksgiving might be transformed into giving and how our generosity might bring hope and goodwill to all.
Let us pray. Lord, our people have given generously. It's a great sign of our allegiance, of their allegiance to you. We do all proclaim you Lord over our lives, Lord over our families, Lord over our finances, Lord over our futures. We give you thanks for all you have given us and for the privilege to give back to you. We pray you'll use these gifts for the work of your church as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to invite all the children to come to the screens, whichever screen that you are nearby, and I want to say good morning and come to the screen. So this is the last Sunday in Advent season. We have been patiently waiting for Christmas, which is almost here. Today, I'd like to explain to you something you most likely already know. I know Miss Carol sent you a Christmas wreath to have it at home, but I'd like to explain this to you again. So Christmas wreath is usually round like this. It means nobody knows the beginning and the ending of God because God is always there. And these greens actually um, are symbols of God's love, which never ends. God loves us always. So when you see green color in the trees or shrubs or palm trees, in Florida, we have many greens. Just remember that God loves you always. So Advent has four Sundays and we have candles that we like, we call Advent candles. We started with the purple candle on the first Sunday. We call it the candle of hope. By the way, purple is a color for royalty. Jesus is our king and our royalty. So we have purple candle and Jesus is the hope for all of us in the whole world. So the second Sunday, we lit the second purple candle a candle of peace, remembering Jesus as our Prince of Peace. And then on the third Sunday, my favorite one, we lit pink candle, which sometimes is called Mary's candle, and it's all about God's love for us. It's a candle of love and Mary's love for her baby son, Jesus. And then, oh, actually, I got it all mixed up. The pink candle has joy. Some churches call that joy, some call it love. I guess we call it joy here. So the fourth candle, purple candle, Pastor Lori always loves to laugh at me when I say this. And it is a candle of love, God's love for us, which is always, and you We'll see on Christmas Eve, the middle white candle will be lit, which is called Christ's candle as we celebrate Jesus' birth. I hope I did not confuse you. If you did get confused, just ask your parents. Now, Christmas is only five days away and the whole month we have been focusing on patient. Keep being patient and keep waiting for Jesus' birthday so we can all celebrate. Let us pray. Our most gracious and loving God, thank you for being so patient with us and thank you for giving us your patience. Help us to wait until Christmas Day comes and we get to celebrate your love in baby Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Well, we have been in the midst of a sermon series since the beginnings of September, looking at the fruit of the Spirit, and we've reflected on love and joy and peace, which are, adorn our Advent wreath. And this month, we have been looking at the fruit of the Spirit called patience, and we've been reflecting on various characters of Advent, the prophet's message, Zechariah and Elizabeth, John the Baptist, and now today we take a look at the stories of Mary and Joseph. And we'll be doing so by looking at two gospel accounts, the first from the Gospel of Matthew, the first chapter, and then from Luke, the first chapter as well. Hear the word of God. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way, when his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. Just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. From Luke chapter 1, beginning at the 26th verse, we read these words. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. What do you want for Christmas? I got asked that question recently by someone in my family, and it's a question you have to be careful asking a pastor because you might get the kind of answer that you really weren't looking for. What do you want for Christmas? Well, how about peace on earth? How about a ceasefire on death and sickness? How about the end of world hunger? How about harmony for all families? What do you want for Christmas? Of course, we know what that question is often about. We know it's about what can be ordered on Amazon or found at the mall, something tangible, something packaged around which you can put a pretty bow. That's usually the answer we're looking for when we ask, what do people want for Christmas? Some of you never have to ask that question of those you love because you already know the answer. Some of you are really good gift givers. You have this radar that picks up on everybody's needs and desires. And when Christmas rolls around and people open the gifts that you've given, you hear them say, oh my, how did you know I wanted this? 
I, what a wonderful spiritual gift to have, this gift of gift giving. But a lot of us don't have that gift, and for a lot of us, what happens when people open the gifts that we give them, they usually, after a couple of seconds of looking at it, say not, oh my, how did you know I wanted this? They just say, oh my. A long time ago, my mother had taken very ill over Christmas, such that she had to be hospitalized, and Amanda and I decided to get for her what we thought would be for her a very special gift, and that was a VCR. It's about the time that VCRs were coming out, and I realize now that many people don't even know what VCRs are. They come and gone so quickly, but back in the 80s, they were getting popular, and we thought it would be something nice for her to have when she came home from the hospital. So we bought this VCR, wrapped it up nicely, took it to her hospital room on Christmas Eve. She decided to not open it until we came back on Christmas Day. So on Christmas Day, we came back with the family and we opened all these gifts in the hospital room, got finally to the VCR package, handed it to her with great excitement. But before she opened it, she said this. She said, you know, I've been looking at that box all night long and I've been wondering what it could be. And the only thing I imagined it could be would be a VCR. But then I thought to myself, that would be the dumbest Christmas present anyone could ever give. Amanda and I looked at each other in disbelief. There came this pregnant pause as she opened the gift, and when she saw it, what could she say? Another pregnant pause, a moment of dis disappointment and disbelief, followed by a lot of backpedaling, followed by a lot of laughter. Fortunately, we had the kind of family that could laugh at those things. And as it turned out, if ever there was a person who wore out her VCR, it was my mother. What do you want for Christmas? Good question. And maybe a really good question this year, because if ever there was a year when we would be less inclined to come up with an Amazon or Best Buy or Macy's kind of answer, it might be this year. What do we want for Christmas in 2020? An end to COVID, we might say, a return to work, we might say, reunited with family, we might say, a functioning government, we might say, a, a place in line for the vaccine, we might say. Christmas 2020 might have us thinking about deeper, more fundamental things. And yet maybe it is precisely those things, healing, wholeness, peace on earth, goodwill toward women and men. It, it might be those things for which we might be af most afraid to ask. These are the big things. These are the great aspirations, the outlandish hopes. These are the nearly impossible. Why not just ask for a crock pot from Amazon? Tone down our expectations for what can be delivered in two days and, and better yet returned if we don't like them. Of course, our Advent characters for today, Mary and Joseph, don't appear to have that luxury. Christmas was not about what they wanted, it was about what they were dealt. And what they were dealt was a lot. A lot to digest, a lot to take in, a lot to figure out. The angels visit and tell them that the world, their world, will be turned upside down. They tell them that, that God is up to something big and they've got a part in the play. They tell them that the course of history is taking a sharp turn at the intersection of their lives. And frankly, there isn't much that can do about it. How can this be, Mary asks, because the anatomy and physiology of it doesn't add up? How can this be good, Joseph asks, because the family planning etiquette and social mores appear not to add up with a fiancé pregnant without his help? And both angels, in so many words, tell them to be patient. Tell them that with God, nothing is impossible. Tell them that to not give up on what God can do. And so the young Nazarene couple move forward, waiting, waiting, waiting on what God can do. I suppose this is what lies at the heart of this fruit of the Spirit called patience, not giving up on what God can do. 
Eric Larson in his great book, The Splendid and the Vile, chronicles that fateful year spanning 1940 and 41 when England underwent the bombing blitz of the Third Reich, night after night of pounding and fires and enormous human casualty. And, and yet Churchill and his fellow Englanders refused to give in, refused to give up. They just kept waiting, waiting for the aid of the Almighty, waiting for the aid of the Allies. And finally, later in 1941, after the worst was over, Churchill made his speech at the Herald School, his famous speech when he said, this is the lesson, never give in, never give in, never, 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 in nothing great or small, large or petty, never give in. So the young virgin and the young carpenter sit and hold hands and tell each other of their angelic visits and when they wait and then they wait because that's all that they can do. They patiently wait, not giving up on what God can do. Joseph, against the rules of polite society, takes Mary as his wife. Mary says to the angel, let it be to me according to your word. And then from there, it's a hope and a prayer holding on to the hope that somehow God is going to make something out of nothing, bring good out of bad, salvage hope out of despair, holding on and not giving up. And maybe that's what this patience is all about. It's all about the not giving up. Though the future is uncertain, though the plan is fuzzy, though the path forward seems almost impossible, patience is all about the not giving up. Not giving up on yourself, not giving up on the world, and not giving up on God. Those two teenagers in trouble, those two most likely not to succeed and admit it, that's how we see them today, right? If they showed up on our doorstep, homeless, out of wedlock pregnancy, teenagers in trouble, heading in the wrong direction, we'd say. And yet somehow, some way, these two believe the angels enough to wonder that God is sending them in the right direction. Let it be to me, Mary says, for I am a servant, I am an instrument, and I'm not going to give up on myself. Take Mary as your wife, the angel says to Joseph, against all decorum, against all common sense. Don't give up, Joseph, on the possibility that even you might be a part of the plan, an actor in the play, a voice in the choir. Don't give up on yourself. Don't let yourself think that whatever may have come your way can take away from you the greater purpose that God has always intended. I think of that when I see my friends gather over the weekends at our AA meetings that we host here at Church of the Palms, this little community of people looking for freedom from the bottle. And I'm always overwhelmed at their presence and the times when I've accompanied some friends to a meeting and seen these courageous men and women sitting there telling their stories, reciting their steps, and holding on to one day at a time. I see a group of people who have not given up. They've not given up on themselves and that somehow that higher power has a purpose for their lives, that it's worth the fight and that the power of hell will not prevail. Patiently, they wait one day at a time for God to do God's thing. Don't give up on yourself say the Nazarene teenagers. And along with that, don't give up on the world. The, the world will give us plenty of reasons to give up on it. It's easy to grow cynical. Everybody's out for themselves. People don't share our values. They don't vote the way we do. The rich get richer, the poor get poorer, and there doesn't seem to be a, a way to turn the world around, and we might just want to give up on the whole thing. God, says the Bible, God so loved the world that he sent his only son. And at Christmas, the two teenagers in trouble take center stage and say, look what God is doing. Look what God is birthing. And God, through them, enters the world. And now the world is heading a new direction. 
most of us know the story of Millard Fuller, a country lawyer from America's Georgia who looked at the world and saw over a billion people without adequate housing, one billion people without a decent roof over their head or with no roof at all. That is a statistic that can easily lead you to give up on the world, too big a problem to solve. The world's going to hell in a handbasket. Millard Fuller didn't give up on the world because he didn't believe in a God that gave up on the world. So he started building houses, tens of thousands of houses through interest-free loans and volunteer labor. We now know it as Habitat for Humanity. Hundreds of thousands of people now have adequate housing because someone didn't give up on the world. The angel comes and says to Mary and Joseph, God's not giving up on the world. And that little baby in Mary's womb says to us, don't you give up on the world either. Have you ever wondered about people in your life who are looking for a little bit of hope, a little bit of kindness, a little bit of grace? Several years ago, when our daughter was pretty young, we decided to give her for Christmas a high chair for her dolls. We, we had it delivered, and I had procrastinated in putting it together until late in the evening on December the 22nd. Some of you know how skilled I am mechanically. Well, sure enough, I had gotten to the end of putting this high chair together and realized that I had put on one of the parts backwards, and it needed to come off. Well, it, it wouldn't come off, so I pulled and tugged and yanked and snap came off the piece broke and with that piece broke so was the high chair my parental life passed in front of my eyes the one gift she wanted and there it sat ruined oh lord i said if you're up there if you're up there please help me out here i need a little grace the next morning, I called the toy company, got a customer service person on the phone and told him what happened and that it was entirely my fault and so on and so forth. And telling my tale of woe, he finally spoke and said, boy, you're really, you really screwed up. Thank you so much. And then out of the silence, he said to me, don't worry, Mr. McConnell, that piece will be on your front porch tomorrow morning, Christmas Eve, no charge. How can this be, I asked. Merry Christmas, he said. The next morning it was there. Oh, how nice and how kind for this stranger to be. The world is filled with folks just looking for a little grace, a little kindness for those who aren't willing to give up on the world. Because, of course, there are lots worse things than broken high chairs, broken relationships, broken bank accounts, broken dreams, broken promises, broken bodies, broken people, all looking for a little grace, a little kindness, looking for someone who's not going to give up on them. So there arrive those teenagers in trouble, taking their place in our little crushes, here to say that their little baby will turn the world around hard to see sometimes but Paul says if we hope for what we do not see we wait for it with patience and there's the rub hoping for what we do not see hoping for the possibility that God might be up to something hoping for the chance that maybe maybe I maybe you might be instruments of the divine plan hoping for the possibility that even this messed up world can still somehow be turned around that there are agents of redemption in our midst and that we might be one of them that there really is a hope and a prayer that God might be able to make bad into good, bring healing out of hurt, and turn dark into light. So maybe that's what makes them move forward, these teenagers in trouble. Despite all that pushes back, unannounced angels, unexplained pregnancy, unexpected census, unplanned visit to Bethlehem, unhospitable innkeeper, unsterile birthing environment. But they move forward, pondering all these things in their hearts, not giving up, 
patiently waiting for God to do God's thing. And with shepherds looking and kings bowing, sure enough, God does God's thing. Can the same be true in this strange and terrible time? It must. It must. We move forward. We do not give up. We hope for what we do not yet see. And we wait for it with patience. For God will do God's thing. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.